Grab your popcorn and silence those cell phones because the show is about to start. Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Rick Blaine is an award-winning film critic featured on TheBigScreen.net.org and has been highlighted on over 75 unreleased independent film posters in less than 12 different countries. Nick Brown. He's been the high school projectionist for the AV Club for over nine semesters and can be heard nightly at the theater talking loudly in the row behind you about the film being screened. And now, they're joining forces. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Testing now. Now, I have levels. I am part of the show. Is that how you're going to intro it today? Testing. By doing a test of the mic? Syllabus. Syllabus. We're up. We're running. We're hot. We are indeed. Welcome to Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Uh, that is our new way of kicking off the show, doing a mic check, which I guess with a podcast is okay. At least I didn't tap on it. Is this on? Is this on? Hello? Hello? <laughs> that, which always sounds great, doesn't we, it, Dave? We sound so C-level now. We, we do. If if we are 40-plus episodes into doing this podcast, and this is the way that we're going to open the show, this is the I way guess... You, we're going to be the way your parents would do a podcast. Uh, honey, I don't even know if we're on. Are we on? I'm not sure. Well, did you hit the... For 30 minutes. Right. And then they'll talk a little bit about, you know, the lawnmower. Which I guess, when you're doing a podcast and you need new ways to open a show, I suppose that's another way to be able to do it. It's an interesting segue in that we're looking into new ways of the future. Future, future, future. Funny enough, we are with today's episode. We'll get into that more later. I'm Joel Hoover. I am, uh, um, I can't remember, Dave Brooks. Welcome, Dave. Glad you remembered yourself. <laughs> well, since we're starting on now to such a D level, can't remember his own name. What podcast is this? Well, while Dave tries to pull himself out of the doldrums, I'm going to remind you that Rick and Nick Talk Flicks is sponsored by the Bemidji Theater, and we are glad to have them on board as a sponsor of the podcast. Great place to go see what's current in movies right now here in the Bemidji area. They are located on Highway 2, just across from the Bemidji Airport. Great place to go catch a film. Don't forget about the $5 movie nights that they have on Tuesdays. Great deal, although as I have warned before on this podcast, if you are planning to go see a movie that night, especially a newer movie, you might want to get there a little bit early because it fills up. But they do do online ticket sales at cectheaters.com. And uh, here's another really good thing that some people don't are not aware of. If you've got uh, somebody in the family or friend with sensory issues, autism, something, the third Saturday of every month at about 10 a.m., they do a sensory um, sensitive showing. The theater lights are up. The noise is down a little bit, so it's not so overwhelming. So there's something to think about. You can uh, bring them into the experience, too, and not overwhelm them, or at least give them a, a better chance. That's great, yeah. So again, it's the Bemidji Theater located on Highway 2, just across from the airport. Well, Dave and I have a lot of current stuff to get into today, including a current topic for, for today's episode, although this is a topic that is, I think, going to last a bit if you are catching the podcast online and listening back a little bit further down the line. This is something that is going to be relevant, very relevant, I think, for for many months and maybe even years to come in terms of a discussion piece. But first, we'll get into that. But first, in current news, we've got Captain Marvel did pretty good this week. Yeah, talking about opens at the box office, really, really good open for Captain Marvel. $153 $153 million domestically, $455 million worldwide. Very, very good news for Marvel heading into 
Avengers Endgame coming up at the end of next month. Captain Marvel has started out very strongly. Yeah, and a good tribute to Stan Lee, the late, great Stan Lee. Um, but this, you know, it wasn't just a regular box office opening. We were running into those issues where uh, the Rotten Tomatoes controversy, where trolls, and this had happened with other movies too, Star Wars The Last Jedi, among others, where people were anticipating to see it, and then all of a sudden the I want to see this meter would drop dramatically, whether it was trolls or bots or even Russian interference. And so this was starting to be the case with Captain Marvel, and all of a sudden, Rotten Tomatoes drops the the ability to pre-rate, for lack of a better term, a movie, and you can only put any kind of review on it once the movie is out. So the argument was, well, people don't want to see this movie, or so it is indicated. It makes people less want to go see the movie if they don't think it's going to be any good. If there's buzz, then people would want to see it, and so on and so forth. So the argument was that that kind of thing is hurting the box office numbers, and whether it was a pushback against Marvel or whether it was you know, the argument of female superhero, which I don't agree with because Wonder Woman clearly was not in any problem. No. But clearly whatever happened, if it was because of the Netflix, or not Netflix, if it was because of the Rotten Tomatoes adjustment or not, it didn't seem to matter. They overcame whatever backlash was going and Captain Marvel had a fantastic, uh, marvelous opening weekend. Ooh, very nice. It did have a marvelous weekend. And... I, I find it interesting that more and more people today are going off of – and I, I find it understandable, but isn't it interesting, Dave, that, that more and more people are going through Rotten Tomatoes or other aggregators in terms of taking interest in seeing a movie as well as taking reaction to a movie as this is going to dictate me going or not. I know we've talked about this before on this podcast, but this is another story of that, another episode of that where you get some potentially negative feedback that comes back, which it sounds like was completely unfounded. And it does dictate how the viewing public decides if they want to go or not, which it's great that it exists in terms of that capability to show, yes, I am interested in seeing this or no, I'm not, or, hey, these are what the reviewers are saying about it and making it an aggregator for reviews and yet it also has become sort of it's become something that has dictated interest in going then for better or for worse you see it sometimes in the advertising even on tv of it's got this percentage on rotten tomatoes and that's going to convince the public hey you should go check this out but it has opened up a can of worms of other things that can come with that too of all right if enough people influence this we won't go see it. I, You know, there's a bonus to being a new-ish parent, you know, where you don't get to go and see every movie that you want to, so you do kind of pick your battles. But there's, you know, if there's a movie that's coming out, I don't care if it gets good reviews or not. I want to see it. I've seen all the first 12 parts. I'm going to see the 13th part. That's just end of story. So I will go see it. But, you know, unless you're going opening night or even early opening weekend, you're going to start getting feedback, not just from trolls, but people that went and saw it, whether it's on Facebook or even just this weekend, Captain Marvel. A lot of my friends were, hey, it was definitely worth the hype. Hey, it was really good. Hey, I wasn't really sure what to think, but it was really good. And you and I are both guilty of looking and wondering what are people seeing about these things, sure. saying about these things. Sure. But I mean, even then some, you can go to Ain't It Cool News or a lot of aggregates and find out what more of the reality is, unless you've got tickets for the nine 
9 p.m. Thursday preview showing, then you might, if you're really going to rely on what the word of mouth is, well, then maybe you are kind of hung up on that. And if all the early buzz is saying, nope, nope, nope. But if you really follow movies, and I understand not everybody does, um, it shouldn't be really that big of a problem. If you want to see it, doesn't matter, then it doesn't matter. You're going to see it anyway. And if you do, if you want to, I'm not really sure. We'll see what the reviews are saying and the reviews between the people that are seeing them and the reviewers. If it's not looking very good, then, well, maybe I'll wait till Netflix or I'll wait for video or whatever. Otherwise, you know, make up your mind. Can you believe that this is the 21st entry into the MCU? Wow. Well, it's been 10 years. Yeah. So you average like two a year in that case. By the way, according to Box Office Mojo, it is the seventh largest opening weekend of the franchise that it's put together in that time. So it's done very well and gave a nice boost to the start of this new year, which has been a little bit slow at the box office. But that's every year. You know, January to February are not typically the big months. So it's, it's compared hard to, to 2018, judge. it's been down though, and 2018. But 2018 was a very strong year yeah. in general, and there were some good early year openers that came as well in 2018. 2019 hasn't really had that so far. Well, look at what 2018 did bring out. They brought in a big kind of carped Captain Marvel esque movie with Black Panther was up for a lot of Oscars, and so that was a, that was an early strong strike. And a huge strike. Well, and here's the other thing, and we'll just touch on this real quick. After the last Avengers Infinity War came out, we were kind of, a lot of people in the theater were felt a little duped that it wasn't the end as promised. Yeah. That's me. That's you. And, and that included us. And so now the question was, well, how is Marvel going to respond? Are people just, well, I've been along the ride so far. You can't bail out now. you got to see... So you know Captain Marvel is going to work its way into uh, the new Avengers movie, Endgame, which is coming out in late April. So maybe was there people feeling that they might as well go or clearly kind of want to go? So there was some excitement going into Captain Marvel despite some of the the pushback. So it looks I would think uh, Avengers Endgame, could it become the biggest movie of all time since it really will be the end? Or at least the big turning of the corner. We will continue to speculate on that as we get closer to the end of April. What else have you got in terms of current events, Dave? Well, we're talking about current, future, and uh, dissipation of the past. For those of us that are into the home video market, DVD and Blu-ray and 4K Ultra, um, there may be the end in sight as far as those go. Not for sure, for sure, but there's another nail in that coffin. That kind of scares me. Well, you got streaming that's taking over, and I'm a fan of streaming, but I'm not going to chuck out my DVD collection. In fact, I'm continuing to build it because now you can find cheaper titles that are out there since they're going away. The demand is down. That's right. People are cutting their cords in 2018 double what they did in 2017. So clearly that's the trend. But what I like are options. You know, for example, if I want to watch Indiana Jones, well, right now it happens to be on Netflix. So I don't have to pop in my disc. I have all four movies and a fifth disc with all this bonus content and making of, which I think is fascinating. But what happens when it's not on Netflix or anything else? If I really want to watch Indiana Jones, what if it's streaming? Or what if it's streaming on another platform that I don't subscribe to? You know, it's just what you start to lose your options. And that's, for me, what kind of the crooks of this thing is. So I like having my cable connected because we'd like to watch a lot of things that are live anyway. But I'm not ready to let go of the physical stuff. Plus, 
even if you download something from like the Apple Store, if you don't actually have it on your device downloaded, but you've purchased it, if they should lose the license to sell you that movie, you don't get that movie anymore as people are starting to find out. So owning a movie doesn't necessarily mean anything, but I have a physical representative copy on my shelf and so long as I have a functional DVD player, and when they start making the last of those, believe me, I will buy one just to keep it stashed somewhere so when my current one dies, I'll have something to back it up with because I like options. Yeah, and the library that people have now goes well beyond the physical library of movies that they have. For instance, there was, you know, there's also the, the digital download that you get of movies now. So people's library is becoming much more digital. And building off of that... As we are getting more and more into streaming services and more of them existing, including the big one that Disney is going to be launching, the opening of the vault, so to speak, that's going to be coming in the near future, we're going to get another streaming service that is going to have an incredible collection of titles that comes with it. And if you are a subscriber, you will have the opportunity to be able to watch all that is within that vault. Now, with Netflix... It changes on a month-to-month basis what is on there and what is not. However, with Netflix content itself, that stays on there. Hulu, you get all of the content that's on there as well. I don't, I'm not sure. Do they change as well? Yeah. With, with, yeah, so they've got some changing that they do. But you get access to all of that content and all of those titles on there. Um, but right now you've got three, essentially. You've got Netflix, right. Hulu, and Amazon Prime. But what if it changes in the future? Because we're seeing Disney's oh, that will. is going to be on the way. Will there be more oh, that yes. will come that will start to further divide it down and say, you know, let's say, for instance, Paramount decides, hey, yes. we want all of our movies on it's this all particular coming. streaming. All of this is coming. And if you don't subscribe, now it's not – you've got to pick of one of three, let's say. You've already got others that are starting to jump in, like CBS All Access. There is talk about Paramount doing something. Even some of the networks doing their their kind of thing. So now you don't have three choices. You got six choices. You got ten choices. But here comes the other problem. It's not that choices make a good thing, which I very much believe in. You start running into the problem of exclusivity. And so Disney Plus, which looks to be the next one to throw its hat in the ring by the end of this year, um, anything that is Disney, and remember now, they are just finalizing the deal to purchase all the film library of 20th Century Fox. That, plus everything Disney, is going to give them roughly 40% of all media out there. And that's not just what's coming now. That's from the past. So, say, Star Wars. They own Star Wars now, but Star Wars, the first, the original and prequel trilogy, or, or you know, the rights to those movies anyway, is owned by 20th Century Fox, now owned by Disney. So if you want to watch a Star Wars movie and they're not going to be putting stuff out on disc anymore, you better have Disney Plus, or unless you subscribe to it, you have it on DVD or some other media, or you catch it on TV, you're not going to be watching Star Wars anymore. So you start running into... Well, now it's a la carte. You have to subscribe to everybody if you want to see any of these movies. That's the way it's going to go. And they're already starting to pull any Disney property off of other streaming services in anticipation of the Disney Plus launch. Which brings us to today's topic. And today's topic is discussing the recent comments that Steven Spielberg made in regards to Netflix and in regards to Netflix movies in particular and he was talking about it within the context of the Oscars, yeah. which which just happened a couple of weeks ago. But he was talking... Well, tell uh, the story about what, what this... Well, I guess you are telling the story. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, 
he trying to cut you off to tell the story that you're already telling. I'm sorry. This was especially in relation to Roma, which was up for a couple of Oscars, won a few of them, um, and was a a limited, limited, limited engagement in theaters itself themselves before it went on to Netflix and was there for everybody to be able to watch. Steven Spielberg believes that that there should be, and this is kind of a summation, but he believes that there should be some restrictions in regards to handing out awards for... Oscars in this case. Yeah, especially Oscars in this case, because he is on the Academy Board of Directors for being Netflix-related movies. Um, He believes Netflix and other companies that release movies on streaming platforms at the same time as being in theaters should be barred from Academy Awards consideration. But maybe up for Emmys or other awards. Right, because the way he looks at it, he believes that these would constitute as TV movies, essentially, because they are going to a TV service, in this case a streaming service. That has created a lot of discussion. That's created pushback. There's been uh, Basically, people are taking sides all over the place on this. Um, The Academy is kind of caught in the middle, because they recognize just how important Netflix has become. Netflix put out $13 billion last year in terms of the projects that it was greenlighting and giving a chance to. And it has become very important for getting movies an opportunity to have life, to give TV shows opportunity to have life that maybe haven't been greenlit by studios that will put them onto the big screen or studios on a television sense that that don't want to commit airtime to them. So it's given a big jolt to the industry in that regard in terms of if you have a project, you can have a chance to be able to get this into a format that is going to allow people to see it. And yet it has really upended, as we've talked about times before on, on this podcast, it has upended our typical idea of what we see as cinema. You were describing all of this to me, Dave, and it, it, it's just a sign of the times. Well, it's, it is an evolution, absolutely, but it's always been the practice that movies, whether they're intending to go big for the Oscars or other awards, part of the criteria is you have to have a theatrical release. Now, a lot of times it's for, they have minimum criteria, which Roma did follow. Now, for the point of the argument here, Roma was nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, which it won, by the way, for Alfonso Cuarón and others, some acting categories and, and some of the writing. So it got some of the big awards. But it was only in theaters for a week, and those theaters were only in Los Angeles and New York. Well, what if you're in Lincoln, Nebraska? You didn't get to see Roma, except things are changing now. Everybody was able to see this movie because it was on Netflix. So is a Netflix movie... Basically, what this comes down to is what constitutes a movie. Now, there's been a lot of great, say, TV movies. This week on NBC, it's a special TV movie event. Up for Emmys, maybe up for Golden Globes, but not up for Oscars because it was never on the big screen. So, were there a lot of people opting out of going to see movies on the big screen that aren't those big event movies like Avengers or Captain Marvel or, you know, um, you know, doesn't matter if you see Jane Austen on the big screen or on a small device. You know, it's not like Dances with Wolves with an expansive scenery or Avatar where the 3D really works. You know, there there's an argument to be said there. And a lot of those smaller niche movies, they don't not make them, but they don't make them the numbers that they used to. Basically, Hollywood is going for the tentpole example with a couple of other things sprinkled in. So why go to the theaters and not just watch 
anything you might want to see on Netflix. Yeah, you you made a comment in there, Dave, that I think sums this up in a in a pretty good way of the challenge that that some of these filmmakers face, and and this is from a Variety article in regards to all of this, um, where it talks about how Spielberg is at odds with other filmmakers and talent who maintain that Netflix has become a vital force in movie making, providing a platform and resources for directors and talent that big studios aren't offering. And it goes on to say, the major studios are making fewer films, and this is an interesting line, preferring to devote resources to comic book movies and franchise fare at the expense of the adult dramas that the Oscars typically rewards. You and I have, on this podcast, bemoaned the lack of originality mm-hmm. in movies today, especially the ones that, that hit the big screen. And, and it, it really it tears me in half on this because I am a proponent of movies on the big screen and the, the special feel that comes with seeing a film on the big screen and going to the cinema. But I also like originality in movies and, and coming up with new concepts and ideas. Netflix has opened up a treasure trove of thought to, be, to allow for that to happen because now your project – can get greenlit, and can hit Netflix. And one Academy member said, Netflix does so much for filmmakers in terms of enabling them to make their movies and get them out to the world. It's so hard to make independent films these days. I just can't imagine that he, Spielberg, is a guy who's worried about finding backing for his movies or getting them distribution. I'm not sure he knows what that's like. You you see both sides of the coin here, and both have a great point. You know, and this is one of those things where you and I are in agreement in that we see both sides of this. I'm not, you know, Spielberg knows his stuff. If Spielberg was going to try to convince me that water was dry, I'm pretty sure water's wet, but, you know, he's Spielberg. I'd probably listen to him. He does have a point. But so do those that are saying against Spielberg. So does Netflix. So do these other directors and, and filmmakers. Everyone's got a point in this. And I think what we're looking at is it's an evolution turning point in cinema and movie as in just entertainment in general. You know, Spielberg helped pioneer some of those changes in the early part of his career. There was no such thing as a summer black box, a blockbuster box office bonanza. He started that with Jaws. And now, comic book or not comic book, there's at least one of those every season or summer, whether it's Marvel or anything else. Spielberg started that. So that changed a lot of things the way that movies were done. Now we're looking at the next change with so many different options. So you have a movie that's up for Oscars, and already there's enough people that say, I don't know what this movie is. I never saw this movie. Green Book got a wide release, and it won Best Picture. But it didn't have exploding aliens and spaceships, and so I didn't want to see a human drama about racial undertones. And Well, it won Best Picture, controversially, but that's always the case when it comes to, unless there's a slam dunk movie um, that's usually kind of straightforward. So now you got Roma, that unless you subscribe to Netflix, again, we run into the issues of exclusivity, you don't get to see. There is no such thing as exclusivity when you go to movie theaters, nor should there be, as long as it's playing there, and there's no reason it is or isn't. If it's a big, big, wide release, it probably is. The smaller art fair doesn't always show up to the theaters, at least not immediately, um, but eventually it might make its way to come around. If Green Book comes out amongst a whole slew of movies around, say, Christmas time, just for argument's sake, it might get lost in the shuffle, so maybe that movie comes in after those die down a little bit to give you a better chance to, oh, I've heard good movies. I already saw those two big block office, box, we can't speak this morning. I already saw those big box office blockbuster movies. There we go. 
Um, no wonder you had a tough yeah, time. Yeah, a lot of bees there. But let's go see this other one a lot of people are talking about. And if you're a fan of movies and you just want to see something really good, then you should make out okay. However, if you're a consumer of movies, and by that I mean it doesn't really matter what you watch. It doesn't matter what we put on Netflix tonight as long as there's sound in the background so we can clean the house or make out on the couch or whatever. That's where Netflix and Chill initiated from. Now they've got some pretty good content. Now it does matter. Now there's movies that are being made now looking for a distributor. Netflix will pick them up or Netflix will commission these movies like the Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson, Bonnie and Clyde movie, which looks really good, actually. Um, Frankie and Johnny with Redford and Fonda. Or that's probably a different movie, but uh, the year, Twilight of Our Years or some, whatever that movie was called. Um, those are some fantastic shows that are being done by Netflix from start to finish. Those should be embraced. Absolutely but if we're talking about award contendership and if the Oscars is awarding the big screen, there is an argument to be made there. So what do you adjust? You can't just not release these movies, but do you have to have criteria that forces them onto the big screen? And do you widen that criteria? How important is award season? Boy, do we cover a lot. Yeah. How important is award season to these filmmakers, too? For some of them, yeah. this is this is about you know building building your base a little bit it's about it's about building sort of your um and establishing yourself as a director and so that's why awards matter a lot i think sometimes to to some of these filmmakers of i've got to do well in award season to further green light future projects and be able to move forward how do i do that create original content where's that original content going to go well, it's getting harder to get on the big screen, so why not get on to Netflix and, and get on there and be able to get an opportunity there and then build my backing, build my support and show, you know, look at look at the the awards that I've accumulated and been able to win. That's why the Netflix is going to Netflix, the Academy, um, they're they're going to face challenges in regards to this. Actually, some who are supporters of Netflix are saying well, if they are going to be a movie that is going to be on Netflix, then the Academy is going to have to set guidelines that you can't go for TV awards as well. You have to just go for movie awards and focus on that because you can't you, you can't allow yourself to be able to to put a foot on both sides here. You've got to be you've got to say yes, we are a movie rather than just award hunting, which I think is a pretty good distinction because I think that's part of where Spielberg's complaint is is that you've got the TV side, so that opens up, hey, I've got that avenue to go for TV awards, or you've got that distinction that's not exactly made. But the bigger one, at least in our eyes, is the big screen appeal. And you and I feel, you and I have, have talked a little bit, in, at least in the build-up to this podcast, of with these movies... Should there be a run on screen? Roma had a very limited three-week engagement that it had. And that was directorially managed a little bit and forced of, hey, we've got to get this on the big screen. And keep in mind, at least a little bit. only New York and L.A. That's it. Right. It was very limited in terms of cities. There's a movie coming up at the end of 2019 called The Irishman with Martin Scorsese directing that has a lot of early buzz. Oh, yeah. That it's going you have Pacino to... and De Niro together and Joe Pesci coming out of retirement. Yeah. A lot of big buzz yeah. that is building for that movie. And there's already some talk, 
hey, we've got to get this to be in a limited engagement on screen. Yeah. Well, where's it going to be? Is it only going to be in the major cities? Like that's going to be one of the major things that that I am looking toward with what is the future of these movies on Netflix is are they going to give it a limited run in theaters? Are they going to give it some run in theaters so that the general viewing public can see it? Or are we going to get that, what you talked about, that exclusiveness that comes with this of if you are a Netflix subscriber, you're going to get a chance to see this. Otherwise, you won't. Yeah. I mean, they, they want your money is what it comes down to. Money talks, and I get it. Um but yeah, the Irishman going to be a Netflix exclusive. You know, will it get big screen release? Well, it's too early to know. But you know, there's a lot of ways to think about this. As far as are you going to be a movie or are you going to be a TV show? It's it's easy to say. Well, it's kind of like the internet. What is the internet? Is it just commerce? Oh, no, it's also entertainment. Oh no, it's also it's a lot of different things. So, but just for the sake of shortening these award shows, which is a controversy that the Oscars is still going through. I think you need to break them up just because no one's going to sit through a 17-hour award show for TV slash movies slash internet content slash da 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 You need to break them up a little bit just for that, if nothing else. So I do think that there needs to be consideration given to that, and whether you're going to go for one or the other and not both, there's argument to be said about that too. But maybe what we need to start thinking about is the other thing that we haven't talked about is that theater ticket sales – now, 2018 was a pretty good year, and it had a nice up year, but people are going to the theaters less. A lot of reasons. Like myself, I go less, and I'm a big movie fan, but I got a little kid at home. You know, I got a wife that we can't both go to the movies without getting a babysitter. So, you know, I'm not necessarily going to go alone unless it's one that I really want to see, and she's, eh, well, then I'm going alone. You know, no problem. I'll get some friends, and we'll go and leave her behind. And it works the other way, too. There's, you know, when Pritch Perfect 4 comes out, she'll leave me behind and she'll go see it. No problem. So, But the cost of tickets has gone up and the cost of these snack bars. So if you're going to go with the family of four when he gets old enough, between snacks and everything else, you're going to be $70 out of pocket. And sometimes that's a good investment, but you need to pick your battles. You don't go see every independent movie. If it's just you, yourself, and I, maybe it's an easier decision to be made. So maybe it's about... Continuing to influence uh, people to want to go to the big screen and make those ticket purchases because they want to see the movie that's up there. And if they want to see it, that's where it is and it's open time. So maybe we start looking at opening up these restrictions. It used to be New York and L.A. for a limited three-week run, and that's been the industry standard forever. It's always the standard that standards change. So maybe it's time to look into that. And so if you want to make it open so that people that are watching the Oscars, I don't know what this movie is. I never heard of this movie. Never saw that movie. Maybe it's because you have Hulu and not Netflix. You know, it shouldn't come down to that. Maybe instead of New York and L.A., and I'm just spitballing here. I'm not thinking this thought through. I'm just kind of coming up with an idea. 52 theaters for a limited three-week run engagement, one per state, including New York City and Los Angeles. You can do another opening in California or upstate New York, Sacramento and Buffalo, let's say. Here it would be the Twin Cities. Yeah, or wherever, and maybe it moves. You know, maybe the Twin Cities obviously would be the obvious choice, but say, where did you do it in Texas? Dallas? Sure. Well, what, what about San Antonio? Okay, well, another one will go to San Antonio. Whoever makes those decisions, fine. It'd be really easy if you're in Rhode Island because everywhere is not too far from Providence. But driving across Texas, if you're down in, say, Austin and they got it opening up in Dallas, Fort Worth, that's a long drive. 
but it's a heck of a lot shorter drive than it is to go to California or New York City just to see a movie that might come out on some other platform that you don't subscribe to. I'm not saying that's the solution, but if you've got a movie that's got it's worth its salt, you know, you get. A, I, I'm anxious to see, for example, this this Bonnie and Clyde movie that's coming out to Netflix. That, as far as I'm aware, is not coming out anywhere theatrically. I don't know if it is or isn't. It might be. I don't know. Maybe it will before it does come out, like The Irishman too. Maybe it will. Um, but it looks really, really good. I want to see it, and maybe I want to see it on the big screen. There's something to be said about that. Maybe that's something to be said about. So you start getting more butts in those theaters, and not just New York and L.A., good for them, but doesn't help people in the middle part of the country. St. Louis doesn't help them. So now you give them those options. So when it comes to Missouri, maybe it'll be in Kansas City, maybe it'll be in St. Louis or some other town, gives you options, gets more people a chance to see it, gives Spielberg more of what he wants, which is to continue to have theater thrive, and I'm in total support of that. And then after three weeks, it shows up on Netflix or other streaming services. Well, the requirement has been a one-week run, yeah, a one-week qualifying run. So why not make it a limited engagement that's not so limited, like you said, three weeks, and, and open it up to more theaters than as a result, which, which may, be, may be kind of restrictive, and I don't know how much it would – it would accomplish but if you go three weeks with with more theaters you get that taste and you you go see it in theaters you get that little bit of time and then netflix gets what it wants out of it which is streaming on its service streaming on its platform plus you've got the you've got the appeal of seeing it on screen then and and people see it there and they see netflix there as well that this is a netflix film and then you've got it on the streaming site itself. So I think we're at the point with with both sides on this issue that I think there's you've got to come at it with a give-and-take kind of solution I agree. in the end. And if you want to qualify it for an award, then you really have to come with a give-and-take kind of kind of thing because do you, do you think that, and this is something that, that another article was raising, do you think that Spielberg is really trying to go at Netflix with his comments or do you think he's just or do you think he's trying to say we need to have parameters that come with this I don't think that he's out of line at all if that's another way to put it um, not nearly as much as people are acting like yeah I, I think he's I don't think he's out of touch I don't think he's wrong I also don't think he's completely right either like I said we see both sides of this where he's saying this movie should not be up for an Oscar well, We need to look at changing how we perceive a movie, and that's basically what this comes down to. What constitutes a movie? How come other movies that get exclusively put on TV and then later on video, and that's another argument that you're hearing, how come those are up for Oscars? Most movies, they make their run in the theaters for however many weeks they're out there. Some of them are longer than others, but most people see them traditionally on video, whether that means streaming or physical DVD or VHS. If you go back far enough, it'll show up on HBO or Movie of the Week or TNT or something, and that's how most people see them. Heck, that's made some movies that were really good noticed. We've talked about Shawshank before. Shawshank bombed in the theaters, and then it came out on TNT like every week. Everybody was just like, eh, whatever. It looks like it's fine. Let's watch it. And it became a huge popular movie because of that. So there's an argument to be said about that. Shawshank didn't win the major awards, and people now are like, well, it should have won over Forrest Gump. Absolutely should have, and we've, we've talked about this before. Um, 
So how do you constitute that? It didn't get its notoriety on the big screen. It was on the other formats that it got nominated for. So what's the difference? Same thing with those TV movies. If you didn't see it on NBC the week that it aired, sometimes it comes out on video. Sometimes it gets re-aired on something else. And that's how you get to pick it up. So what's the difference? It's still a movie. Does it make it a good movie or a bad movie? And that's one of the arguments. And I can see that argument. Yeah, I I don't like the idea of cinema changing with the way that we watch it. I don't, which is why I understand what Steven Spielberg maybe wants in terms of preserving some of the experience of going to the movies, which is another thing that we have talked about before, is that there is a unique feel to going to the theater. Absolutely. And taking in a movie. And with some of the movies that are out there today, you've got to go see them in theaters. It's not just as simple as watch it on your screen at home. It's this is this is a movie with its canvas that you should see on the big screen because there's a sense of wonderment that comes with it, and there's a sense of of awe that comes with seeing it in that particular setting. And yet, this is good. I mean, this is this is good stuff that Netflix is allowing for the originality that we have craved to be able to come in the form of new stories and new movies. Some of them are terrible movies. There are, there are some that uh, that I'm like this is a Netflix original movie and this looks brutal. This looks bad. But at the same time there are a lot of of original movies that are getting a chance through Netflix. And it's good that they're getting a chance to be able to be on there because maybe this project wouldn't have happened. Otherwise, who knows how many projects have gone by the wayside in the past because there is limited space when it comes to getting on the big screen. And you you have to kind of claw your way to the top in order to be in that mix to be able to get there on the big screen. So it, it's really difficult because I think there's there's a lot that's correct on both counts here, but to keep, if you want to at least approach it on the awards side of things, having a run in theaters I think is important because what is the Academy suffering from? What are the Oscars suffering from? If we're going to focus just solely on that, lack of viewership, lack of general public enjoyment of of seeing a movie. They, they haven't seen some of these movies just in general. Well, let me Making give you it more available. That helps. Let me give you some more ammunition to your first point about something special about going to see a movie. We here at the radio station where we're doing this podcast do an event uh, around Valentine's Day called the Sweetheart Movie. This last year we showed Grumpy Old Men. This movie is twenty five, coming up on thirty years old. Everybody, especially in Minnesota, has seen it. It's required viewing, and the sequel it is. Grumpy Year. I old moved Men. here, and people. Oh, you put gotta... this this movie in my hands and said, "Watch it." Oh, yep. yeah, got it. Was, see. It wasn't quite like that, but it yeah. felt like that. <laughs> We've got people that are clamoring. The only way you get to go to this movie is you have to win the tickets on the air. You don't get to go buy them. People clamor to see these movies. Now we're talking about a movie that's approaching thirty years old, and not only that, it's a movie that everybody has seen, especially in this state, multiple times. There's something to be said about that. You know, this is in that, granted, people got their tickets for free, but they got to go to the snack bar, every one of them pretty much. But people were looking forward to it. People that had never seen the movie got to enjoy it on a larger screen. People that have seen and know every line of the movie, 
They get to go sit in a room with people that are just going to have a good time with them. You pick up this vibe, this unspoken ah, vibe, enjoying something that you're all enjoying together. There's something tangible in that. Here's another example. Uh, TCM, Turner Classic Movies, they team up with Fathom Events to do their big screen classic series that they have. Coming up in, I believe it's in September... They have Lawrence of Arabia mm. on the screen this year. They had it when I was in college. One of your favorites. And I begged one of my roommates to – I didn't have a car yet, so I begged him to drive me to the theater so I could go see the movie. He was busy that evening and refused. He he had other stuff going on, and I, I think he had homework, and he didn't feel like going out to the movie. And I was like, just drop me off. I want to go see this. I will walk home. Didn't work out. And I look back on that now, and I am just, I'm so disappointed that I didn't get a chance to go see that for just for experience's sake. Well, it's coming back to the, the big screen later on this year, and I can't wait. Like, the, it, there's just a certain feeling about seeing a movie on the screen and, and that, that special feeling that it has. Like, you and I have dreamed of, of having our own our own movie festival, our own film festival, our film series of Rick and Nick present the classics on the big screen. And we pick out some classic movies and say, here, you get a chance to see this on the big screen. I mean, think about this. And we're talking to the listeners now. If, let's say, Tuesday nights, a a relatively slow night by theater standards, your local theater offered you retro throwback nights where for one night only – Raiders of the Lost Ark is on this week. And next week, it'll be Jaws, followed by Jaws 2 and a short matinee back-to-back. You can't tell me these movies are tried and true. They're fantastic movies. You wouldn't go clamor to see them, even though they're already on your DVD shelf or they're streaming on Netflix. You wouldn't want to go to the big screen and see that again for probably a discounted ticket price, $5 or whatever it is. I would be there every Tuesday. I would have to st- I would have to sell my motorcycle because I'm going to be spending that money instead on retro Tuesday nights even though I've got every single one of those movies because there's something special about the way that it is presented. Horror movies aren't so scary when you are in your living room because you know you're home, you know you're safe. I think I may have told this even on the air, I don't remember. When the new Halloween came out this last fall, the kind of the redo so to speak, I saw it in the theater alone, and uh, we had a whole bunch of stuff that was going on then, and I just was, uh, I'm going to go see this movie. I went and saw it, and then I went to, I was staying at my parents' house, and there was nobody there. It was me alone, and it's kind of an isolated place. So I went and saw this movie on the screen, alone, and then I go home to a house that is empty, alone, in the woods. I checked every closet. I'm in my 40s. I'm old. I'm, you know, I understand how this works, but it doesn't matter. It worked. Would it have had the same impact if it was only on Netflix and I'd watched it on the small screen and then gone to bed? No, it wouldn't have. But you, you know, it's just it's the way that it's presented that makes it work, and that's kind of what Spielberg is talking about, and that's kind of what you and I are talking about. There's a big difference to seeing a movie in a blank slate like the theater with a communal audience that's going to have this experience wash over them collectively versus sitting in your own living room, maybe alone or maybe just with a couple of people in familiar surroundings. And maybe only passively consuming the movie as well, which was something you referenced earlier when it comes to watching Netflix, is that sometimes there is a passive consumption that comes with watching it within that setting, rather than when you are going to the movie theater, your focus is on the movie. 
you are there to watch the movie. You're it's so much. There are so much fewer distractions. Uh, I mean, you can't talk to people in the theater, or others are going oh, to look and get it. Do. People try to, and if you try to do that, though, you're not going to be well liked. Same with using your phone. It's why they say, please silence your phone. You're there for a show. You're there for an experience. It's like going to see a play. You know, you're there for the show. You're yeah. there to take it in. And yet, consumer consumption rules the day. And consumer consumption is going through Netflix. Do we lose something with that? Absolutely we do. And I, I don't think that gets thought about sometimes with new technology is that we do lose something that comes with that. And yet, it's all about following what makes money. It's all about following what is going to allow you to, and what's going to allow you to get into the industry, which is good. And yet there is something that gets lost along the way. How many but people? It, but in the end, what matters? Is it the art or is it making it with the art and being able to make a, make a profit off it, of it? It's also presentation. See in Jurassic Park, for example, back in the 90s, when that dinosaur stepped down somewhere in the forest, they had that surround sound going in the theater, and the speaker behind you to the right made the sound, not in front of you. So all of a sudden, <laughs> you're turning around because you just you're pretty sure you heard a tyrannosaur step down behind you. That you, how many people have surround sound in their home? I do, but a lot of people don't. You got those two little tiny speakers, if even that, or something built into your little plasma screen. The speaker is the size of an eraser on a pencil, if you remember what those were. And what kind of a sound are you going to get out of that, let alone surround sound? The dinosaur goes crunch, not dynamically so. I mean, it's an immersive environment. What made the 3D and Avatar work wasn't that things were jumping out at you. It pulled you in rather than had things jump out at you. So when the camera is moving through the jungle and the leaves are brushing past the camera, it's more like the leaves are brushing against you. I remember seeing that movie in half the theater just slowly push their head to the right so they would move it away from the leaf coming in from the left because it looked like it was going to get you. And it wasn't that it was jumping out. It's that you wanted to see what was behind the leaf. It brought you into that. It's not going to work like that on the screen at home. It's something that's lost, plus the surround sound, plus everything else. They've tried other funny things, smell vision and whatever that just, yeah. But if you go see this in an immersive environment, wow, does it have an effect on you versus seeing the exact same thing in a completely different presentation on your screen at home. Netflix's statement that responded to Steven Spielberg started with the line, we love cinema. I would agree. It's it's interesting that they started there because I think the, I I think they do. I think you're right, Dave. I think they do and they've proven it because they are giving this wide canvas and and saying here's a chance for you to be able to make your cinematic piece come to life within this this setting. And yet they've they've also determined, you know, with these limited engagements, yeah, we'll we'll take our movies and we will put them on the screen. Because we love cinema enough that we will go through that that usual way of going about it, about watching it, to get it on there. Will they have to do more of that to continue to bring people in, or do they just need to bring them to their their streaming service, and that's that's all they need? Well, the, I, I I really am genuinely curious as to where that's going to go in the future. Of of will they need to continue to bring their movies onto the screen, or Will the Academy and will others simply say, you count, this counts, this is this is 
what we now define as a movie. Well, even more so than defining what makes a movie, which I think is partially at the heart of this, the other really big thing at the heart of this is it's not what is a movie, it's more about how do you distribute the movie. Is it going on to the big silver screen or is it going on to a small screen, whether it's TV or streaming? And with the internet and streaming and the delivery system, how do you define that? You know, Do you have movies that can get a waiver like Roma, although this is before they've set up all the criteria, it did meet the minimum criteria but only barely, and then it got into the big awards categories. So how are you going to factor in the distribution? Emmys essentially are for the small screen, and Golden Globes are for both, and the Oscars are for the big screen. Then do you create your own movie category? You could. That's a possibility. There's, but then again, another award show? Jeez, you run into that problem. So I, I understand the argument there. So what do you do? How do you open this up? And maybe a wider engagement theatrically might be an answer. And like I said, I just kind of spitballed it and didn't really fully think it out. But why not 52 screens across the country? Even just for a one-week run, it's better than having two theaters for three weeks. You still get a whole lot more money off the theatrical release. If it's a Netflix movie, Netflix promotes it on Netflix. This movie's coming to theaters this week. And if you miss it there, you can catch it right here the next week. Now, maybe if you're just a consumer of movies, it doesn't matter to you and you're going to just wait the extra week. My God, I want to see this right now. How many people right now are giving are, have terminal illnesses and they want to see this movie? They want to see it now and they're asking for permission. Can I see this movie in advance before I die of cancer? That has happened before. People get early screenings because it matters to them. If you are a straight consumer, it doesn't really matter. Well, I'll see it when it comes out. Then it's not for you. But if you really do like cinema, like Netflix says they like cinema, this movie is a great movie. It'll be here, but the week before it is, you can see it in theaters. How many people go to see the screening preview on Thursday night, early preview, rather than Saturday night? Because they want to see the movie. And generally, people that go to those movies are there because they want to be there. You don't get screaming kids and people that are just kind of, hey, 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 hey. People are there to see the movie because they want to see the movie. If you've got, say, The Irishman, the Netflix Scorsese movie that's coming out late season, comes out on the big screen for a week engagement in uh, somewhere in the cities, and I want to go down there to see it on the big screen, you better believe I'm there to see it, and so is everybody else. And if you don't want to see it because it doesn't really matter, well, it'll be on Netflix the following week or two weeks or whatever it is. That's cool. And if Netflix promotes it like that, I think everybody wins. Rick and Nick Talk Flicks is sponsored by the Bemidji Theater. Great place to see a great movie. Absolutely. Located on Highway 2, just across from the airport here in Bemidji. Dave, any closing thoughts or anything that that comes to mind, I think, as we wrap this up in, in talking about where we are at in terms of what constitutes a movie in in the Netflix sense, in the cinematic sense, and what this episode with with um, with Steven Spielberg and with Roma and all of that kind of tells about where we are going and where you think we're heading. I think this. I believe in this for not just movies but a lot of different things. Times are going to change, but standards have to remain. I do think this very much so. And what we're really talking about isn't what is a movie, it's how is it distributed, and we just talked about that. But, you know, at the heart of the issue is times are changing right now. Streaming was not an was not an option even five years ago, not anywhere to the degree that it is now. Even if you look at the internet, things that don't come out on a streaming service, but say like Netflix Red, you got the new Cobra Kai series, for example. Is that qualifying for an Emmy? 
you know, even though it's a great show. So, you know, whether it's the Roma thing or the Netflix thing, this is all over the place. So it also comes down to how do you define a movie? I would say TV movies that were made just for NBC or whatever are just as much a movie as anything else. However, it never came out theatrically, so it's only worthy for an Emmy, maybe a Golden Globe and the special miniseries or TV movie event category as it should be. But you also got to look at the evolution. The standards need to remain. Maybe we change those standards a little bit, but the times are going to change. We have to reflect that in these award shows. They're trying to. Maybe they're losing that battle right now, but they certainly can move forward. Oscars have never been about um, audience friendliness. It's been about the glitz and glamour of what makes... We get some of the greatest performers of all time get boring as heck when they get up there to speak and give a speech. These are craftsmen and storytellers, whether they are behind the camera or in front, and then they just want to think. So, and it's just you know only one, one maybe, maybe two per year really gives something, wow, that was a cool performance, if you want to call it that. There is an answer here, but how do you define a movie? A movie is something that is not part of something larger, like a TV series two-parter. You know, it's got the time length. It's got to be, call it uh, 80 minutes or longer. It's got to be standing on its own, not tied to other things. And I don't mean in a franchise kind of way. I mean like a two-part episode or even a three-part, four-part. You know, they do a lot of serialized stuff. Those are not movies. But if you've got a TV movie, online movie, theatrical movie, it's a movie. How do you distribute it? That determines your award category, and we need to figure out the internet component, and do you get special dispensation to become eligible for an Oscar? I think we need to change some of that criteria, not just New York and L.A. for a week minimum. we got to open that up. If that's the big argument, that it wasn't on the big screen in most towns, then let's change that. I think the differentiation and creating language that will differentiate between it being a movie and a TV movie is going to be important. There needs to be some kind of setup with that, especially if you are going if you are going to dictate awards off of it. I think the Academy will need to work to that end, as Spielberg has has spoken about. When it comes to the larger topic of what this means for movies in general, why can't it be both? Why why can't this be maybe a maybe some consideration of what are our movie consumption habits today as well as as well as our social habits today that that we take in movies within within our own home and yes that it's that it's easy and comfortable but it takes away the social aspect of it why can't we consider that and yet why can't we consider that maybe this is something that could still be done a little bit more of on the larger scale when it comes to to movie making, I think this is really important because what have we talked about? We've talked about how how nauseating it is to have these franchises and these these movies that get more or less churned out sequels, movies that that really shouldn't be out there, and yet they are simply for money and simply for money's sake. These movies give a chance, and maybe with limited releases with these movies. They give a chance for us to to consume a movie perhaps in a better manner, to see it in a short run on the screen, and then to to have it quickly turn around and make it onto a streaming service. It creates the best of both worlds where you can see it on the big screen format, and yet you also get that quick turnaround to be able to see it 
at home in a comfortable way. And it challenges maybe those who are, are in the film industry to say, maybe we have gamed the system in a bad way over the last couple of decades of trying to constantly churn out movies for money and forgetting what this is really about. And that is creating a product that is really enjoyable to see and something that is enjoyable to appreciate. That maybe the heart of of movies can come back a little bit through what Netflix has created with with allowing a broader canvas of movies to to be out there. And that we need to meld that on the big screen. And maybe we as filmmakers need to consider, hey, if we're going to put together a sequel, what's at the heart of why we are creating this? Is this just to be a cash grab for for this theater, uh, or for rather for this um for this movie company, or are we creating this because we've got a great story to tell that exists here? I I maybe that's a little bit too idealistic. No, I think you're right. But, but I think it it needs to be that it, this what Netflix has done. I think can challenge that old way of thinking that that school of thought that th- it's all about the money. And that if we give them a three-week or maybe one-month kind of run in theaters across the country and giving more movies that kind of run, maybe that can be the jolt that is necessary in addition to the tent poles. We need to bring those two together. And that while you get those tent poles that have the long run, these smaller, shorter runs that we that we inject in as well provide just what the film industry needs. And that is a reminder of the heart and that needs to be part of it i think monkeying with a system for the sake of money breaks it I and mean, look at college hockey i don't want to go down that route but you know oh, where, boy you know where i'm going and yeah. if you follow college hockey you know what i'm talking about they've monkeyed with it to the point where now people care a lot less and you got big games that are meaningful in empty arenas well why is that people are doing the same thing with other things i think it comes down to this and we've talked about consuming movies and enjoying movies. We're not judging. If the, if you're going to sit in an airport during a layover, a six-hour layover, and you're going to watch some movie you've wanted to see on your tiny device, okay, we're not judging. But sometimes the journey's the thing. I could see this same movie six months from now on the big screen or on the small screen, whether it's on TV or HBO or Netflix or whatever, or I could see it in a really big format. I know I'm going to see it again, and I want to see it again, and I will see probably every other time I ever watch this movie for the rest of my life on a smaller screen. I want to see it on the big screen. I want to enjoy it because the journey's the thing, not the destination. I'm just trying to kill two and a half hours. Fine. There's nothing wrong with that, but don't decide it for me. I like the journey. Didn't we have an episode by that title way back in the day? Probably all blend together. <laughs> Some of our ideas get, this is very symbiotic. Some themes re-pop up from episode to episode, and I probably did. Well, I like that they do, because this is this is very much of the times, yeah. isn't it? So if, if this is not a new thing. Well, it is a new thing, but this is not a, a, a one-and-done thing. This will be one of the episodes of the archives. It's going to be relevant for a long time. Our spring movie preview is great, but two years from now, what, what does it matter? It's two years ago. This is going to be something that's going to continue to evolve, and that's the way of things, quite I, honestly. I just I, I want what Netflix has done to to shake up the Hollywood industry a little bit, to make them think a little bit about the kind of movies that they and, and what is the quality of the movie that you are are churning out. 
and creating. Even is more it, so than that. Is look, it for the story or is it for the money? Look at where the talent is going. They're not on the big screen like they used to be because you've got these two-hour movies or stories. They're very bottled and there's limited time for character development. Well, that's all well and good. Some do it better than others, but most generally don't. So you've got these big-name talent, I mean, in front of and behind the camera, writers, directors, actors, all go onto the small screen, whether it's things like Game of Thrones on HBO, very serialized, and, I mean, it's it's epic. Uh, you get all these, you know, the, the, the Bonnie and Clyde movie that's got Costner and Woody Harrelson in it. Great talent. Alfonso Cuaron just won Best Director for doing Roma for Netflix. The talent is leaving the big screen. They're going to the small screen, so we're not talking about lack of you know good quality product on a smaller streaming device we're talking really about distribution and the way you take it in or at least having the option to do it and if a movie like that it was fantastic on the big screen i live in the middle of this country the north middle of this country i'm not going to new york or la to watch a movie on the big screen the journey may be the thing but i don't want a journey to new york five times a year just to watch something on the big screen and that's the only chance you get to see it on the big screen Give me the option. We can only hope that there's a middle ground that this finds. And a there good, is. A, and a good middle ground. And maybe, maybe something that we have talked about in the course of this show today will be where it all ends up. We can, I, o- we can only hope. I, I hope that it's a middle ground. I believe in the pendulum theory in all things. You know, you don't want to go too far one way or too far the other way, but you do need those devices, if you want to call it that, that are going to push the pendulum one way or the other way, so whether it's Spielberg making his points that are pro his points and not so much the Netflix view, and then the Netflix cause talking about smaller screen, not so much the Spielberg, the reality is always somewhere in the middle. It's never, ever to the far, far side either way. There's truth on one side. There's truth on the other. You don't need to buy some of one that means you must subscribe to all of it. It's, I like some of this, I like some of that. Some of that is no, some of that is no. The reality is somewhere in the middle. And I believe if that's the truth, which it is, why can't there be a solution that is in the middle rather than, nope, we're not putting any movies on Netflix or no, all movies will be go to streaming. They're never going to go to theaters anymore. I don't, the reality is somewhere in the middle. The solution is in the middle too. Rick and Nick Talk Flix is sponsored by the Bemidji Theater located on Highway 2 just across from the Bemidji Airport. Dave, this was some great discussion. I enjoyed getting to go through this topic because it's pretty relevant, and I think we're going to see a lot of things come to fruition from this in the future. We'll see how it all breaks down, and I'm sure we will talk more about it in the future, but this was great getting to discuss it a little bit more at length. Hey, even if we started out as a D-level podcast, we don't even have the hosts here today. I'm tapping on the microphone. We're like the A-team. If you can find <laughs> us and you have a problem, you can handle You can hire Rick and Nick stand-ins, Dave and Hoove. Well, hopefully we've done this long enough that we've become more than just stand-ins in terms of being able to do this decently. I want to be Hannibal. You can be face. Okay, I'm Joel. I'm Dave. And thanks for joining us today. We will see you at the movies one way or another. So one more big component of this that we only barely touched base on is the financial end of things. You, as a fan... 
to go to the movie theater, you need to be compelled to want to see this, whether it's an actor, whether it's a story, whether it's the newest installment to a franchise or whatever. You need to be invested to want to see it. That means you need to be motivated to get up off your couch in your home, get out of your house, get into the car, drive to wherever, and if you're in a big city, pay to park, then pay to get into the theater, pay to get some snacks, go sit down and watch the show. Maybe it's good, maybe it's not, maybe you don't leave with everything that you wanted to, versus, what's Netflix now, 12 bucks a month? Pay $12 a month to stay in your home, on your couch, to eat your food for a whole lot cheaper than you can go to the theater, and not just watch this movie, but however many movies you can cram into a single month, What's what's a theater-going experience for one? $20 plus snacks, parking maybe in some towns, versus $12 a month per that movie and any other movie you can cram into a month. The motivation is not there for people to get up off the couch. That was a great addition when we were thinking about extra things after this podcast, Dave, thinking about the cost that comes with that. And you and I both had examples that come with that. For instance, you talked about the wrestling industry and and consuming what goes on with with wrestling because what's it about there selling tickets it's about selling tickets i talked about the sports industry what's it about there it's about selling tickets in house and yet you've also got those huge tv contracts and it's easier for people to stay at home and watch the game at home so why do people still go to games because there's a fan experience that comes with it and i gave a great example of how even though the fan experience is growing, is getting more and more expensive, in Atlanta, there's a great instance of pushback against that, that Arthur Blank, the owner of the Atlanta Falcons and Atlanta United in MLS, has done having concessions that are very family-friendly there in terms of their prices. And at a new stadium as well, there at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and they have created concessions Super that Bowl are was just there, yeah. Exactly. They've created concessions that are very affordable for people. And that has created a lot of praise. They've gotten a ton of praise for that for creating something that is going to be worth coming to and is not going to drive the price up any more than than maybe it should in the eyes of of the consumer. So there's, there's two reasons about this. Creating a product, whether it's sports or wrestling or movies, that you want to see and you really want to see and giving it to them in an environment that's fantastic, whether it's a sports arena or a great theater, and you're not going to be nickel and dimed to death, which has kind of become the problem. I mean, heck, even U.S. Bank Stadium for the Vikings, personal seat licenses. I mean, you already helped pay for the stadium with your taxes. Now you have to... You know, not just buy a ticket to get in. You need to get the license to sit in the seat. You've got to be kidding me. It's all about ways to get more money from the consumers. It's gotten out of balance to the point. You start getting it more into a balance. That financial aspect, along with the entertainment, certainly going to start to level the playing field and get things going. Kind of an idea we had just as we were finishing up the podcast. Oh, we got to add to this. Yeah, it's a great supplement because it's another challenge to the movie industry that comes from Netflix of... This needs to become more price affordable. This need, this needs to become more efficient in that way. And if we're going to talk about shaking things up in terms of what's on the screen, we also need to talk about shaking things up in terms of the experience in general, especially on the dollars and cents side. I agree completely. So there's a little something extra bonus. Yeah, good supplement. Thanks really for sticking supplement. around, you guys. 